We spend the early part of our career practicing, working on things that we can't do, in hopes of eventually playing gigs, playing shows, doing sessions, going on tour. And then once that part of life starts to happen, the tours and the shows and recording sessions, we realize that perhaps we don't have as much time to practice as we would like, and we may feel like we're getting stagnant in the gig world. So it seems like there's always the grass is greener on the other side. You're either practicing all the time and wishing you had gigs, or you're playing gigs all the time wishing you were able to practice. How do we find a middle ground? Let's discuss. Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 68. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's great to have you here. I really appreciate your support. I want to uh, mention that this podcast is sponsored by the Drum Mantra 3030, which is a course that I created about two years ago. And uh, people all over the world have been taking it. There are actually 40 countries represented from uh, different drum students around the world who have been involved in the course. The course is a 30-day long experience with a 30-minute lesson every day for 30 days. And the goal is multifaceted. Um, first of all, we're trying to develop the, the discipline to practice each day. You're developing a habit of practice. After 30 days of practicing 30 minutes a day, you have kind of a habit formed. So that's, a, that's one of the, the uh, outside goals, one of the, one of the um, goals that are less music-oriented, more discipline-oriented, more task-oriented. But what is happening while we're practicing, we're doing three different time signatures. We're doing tons of sticking exercises and timing exercises in 3-4, 4-4, and 5-4. We're also learning melody lines in all three of those time signatures, and we're doing permutations on top of those melody lines in all three of those time signatures. It's a really cool course. There's all kinds of exercises. One exercise that I keep forgetting about is, and, and then I remember, and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to work on that, is the one BPM change in tempo. So you play a 32 measure long phrase, and then every 32 bars, you go back to the beginning of the phrase, and the tempo goes up by one BPM, one beat per minute. And you go through that eight times. So you start to feel what is one beat per minute tempo fluctuation feel like. And it really, really gets your center of focus on time really dialed in where you can start to sense these very small changes in time when you're playing gigs. And uh, you, can, you can hear pushes and pulls in different sections of music and you can really kind of lock it in wherever it needs to be. That's not to say that all music needs to be played in perfect metronomic time. I mean, some of the greatest bands of all times did not play to a metronome and you can you can feel the music speed up and slow down and that is a an emotional experience and that's what brings music to life. That's what makes music beautiful is hearing the the energy and the emotion of a group of humans doing something all together. I mean, Think of bands like Led Zeppelin. 
one of the best feeling bands of all time. But if you put a metronome on, you're going to hear fluctuations in time. Totally fine. Why? Because it's an emotional expression. Everyone is on the same page. And when you have that kind of unit where everyone is expressing themselves equally, the time is secondary to the feel. And that's, that's true always. But everyone has to be on that same page. Otherwise, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like someone's rushing and someone's dragging. If the drummer's trying to maintain perfect tempo and the guitar player is playing on top and the bass player is playing back, it might feel a little bit awkward. So everyone really has to be in the same groove together. And all kinds of bands throughout history. I mean, you name it. The Miles Davis Quintet, Pink Floyd, uh, on and on and on. You know, any any band pre-1990, you know, really was probably playing without a metronome. In the 80s, people were playing to synthesizer, uh, you know, uh, sequences and stuff, which had more metronomic time. And then we started needing to have time be perfect. Maybe needing is a loose term. Um, so we could line things up. My, my My philosophy is we started needing to line things up with video. So we're using Simpty. Uh, we're trying to time things. My dad was a, a jingle writer in the 70s and 80s. <clears throat> and he would sit there and watch the video on a television with a VCR with a stopwatch in his hand. And he would watch and when he would hit the, he would hit the stopwatch. And then as soon as the scene would change, he would hit the stopwatch and be like, okay, that first scene was, you know, three and a half seconds. So at a tempo of... 120 I can play you know three and a half beats for that you know it's all it was all done with like a stopwatch and a VCR hitting pause and start and trying to time things to change with uh, you know television movies Um, and I I don't know if that has to do that that to me has a little bit to do with starting to play with metronomic time perfect time, light cues, you know, uh, triggering light cues in a song, playing things on a radio that the songs need to be the exact right length. Uh, And we started using machines. And when we started to use machines, those have, you know, metronomic kind of sequences built in. So we start to learn how to play that metronomic time. And then it just becomes human and then machine and back and forth and back and forth. So you know, the humans are playing with emotion and then the machines come in, they play with less emotion but more accuracy. So humans learn how to play with more accuracy. Then machines are programmed to have like a loose, skippy kind of feel. So humans learn how to mimic the machines and then the machines mimic the players but with a little bit of tweak and then the players go back and mimic the machines. And it's on and on, this ongoing evolution. I think it's all great. It's all beautiful. I love playing in a band where everyone's on the same page and you're just grooving and the time may be moving around, but it's moving around correctly. And other times I love being on a click where everything is perfect and everything's exact. And one good thing about playing with a click, especially in a live situation, is the singers, you know, depending on what kind of day they've had, they may be tired they may be completely pumped up and excited and so they may want the song to be faster than it should be because they're pumped and they want it to they want it to rock more but to maintain the proper tempo and the correct tempo for certain songs 
is a great is a great thing to do when you're performing for a bunch of people that are expecting to hear that song a certain way. So you take the get the emotional guesswork out of what tempo should this be. It's this tempo because it has been established at this tempo and everyone just needs to adjust themselves in a scenario where you're playing for a bunch of people who want to hear the song exactly the way it's supposed to be in a pop setting. So there are no rules. There are no laws. The thing that you do is you make the best decision depending on the situation that you're in. And when you make good decisions, you continue to work. Anyway, that's a long, uh, that's a long drawn out little explanation of the one BPM fluctuation exercises in the 30-30. I love doing the course. The people have loved doing the course. In fact, um, uh, a student, uh, Ross Pilgrim in Sterling, Scotland, just finished doing the course. You, you do the course with your right foot. It's just a pad with your hands and one foot. It's the right foot. He just went back and did the course with his left foot, the entire thing. That's intense because you're reading pretty intricate 16th note melodies at a certain point in the course. And he was doing that with his left foot. So bravo, Ross. Great job. He, he's one of the members of the Lesson Vault and the um, inner circle of DrumMantra.com. So we have all these com- conversations and stuff amongst the members over there. And that was one of his big... Um, his big accomplishments and we celebrate those big time over there. So that's awesome. I need to go back and do it with my left foot just to make sure I can still do it. Um, so that's the 3030 and I discord, I, I call that the sponsor for this, for this podcast because when someone takes the course, it kind of affords me a little bit of extra time in my day to sit here in my studio and record for you a little podcast. So thank you all for, for, your support of doing the 3030 of taking it. If you're interested in, in the 3030, you can go to drummantra.com slash drummantra dash 3030, or just do a search on drummantra 3030 and it should come up. Um, it's a great course. Thank you so much to everybody for that support. Um, uh, now, if you want something really cool, I'd love to give you a free masterclass. I just filmed about a 45-minute masterclass where I take you through five exercises guaranteed to make you a better player. And these exercises have to do with timing, reading, coordination, phrase, timing, reading, coordination, phrasing, and groove. Five exercises. Now, these are excerpts from larger courses that I've created. But these are five unique exercises that are really important to work on. So if you're interested in checking out the free masterclass, you can go to drummantra.com slash masterclass, one word, dash invitation. Drummantra.com slash slash masterclass dash invitation. And you can check out a free masterclass, 45 minute long five different exercises that you play along with in the master class and really get those things down and that will have a huge effect on how you play how you sound your time your comfort your relaxation so important to be relaxed when you play drums and not all tense your breathing your balance when you're sitting you know when you start to do coordination exercises 
the more you can overcome coordination wise, the more your body is just balanced when you play. So whether or not you ever use fancy coordination, fancy polymetric coordination, it will come into play on a, on the simplest gigs with the simplest grooves because your body will be more balanced, more relaxed, more in control of what's going on, and so you start to play with more authority. So check out that masterclass. It's really cool. Five exercises guaranteed to make you a better drummer. Drummantra.com slash masterclass dash invitation. Okay, so... I was just sitting here before I started doing the podcast wondering what I was going to do for the podcast, and um, which happens from time to time, more times than not. Um, I'm sitting the night before, like the podcast is going to be out on Tuesday. Well, right now it's 7.30 at night on Monday, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got to get a podcast out. I've been doing a lot of editing and uploading video onto YouTube a lot of lessons, a lot of cool exercises, and that's really just been taking up so much of my time. Um, and then all of a sudden, here we are, time for the podcast, and here we are, time for the podcast. So I came down to the studio, which is where I am right now, and I was practicing an exercise that I have been practicing since high school. Um, I pull it out every once in a while. It's just a medium, challenging snare drum solo from the John Pratt book, 14 Contest Solos, and it's the solo called Drum Corps on Parade. And I've just always loved playing that exercise, playing that that solo. And then I play that solo and I do different things with the feet. So when I first started playing the solo, I would just go right, left, right, left the whole time, kind of like you're marching left, right, left, right, um, and play the solo down. And then I did it started doing it over samba feet and then eventually once i got to college i started doing it over like uh bayonne or sango kind of bass drum with like a two three clave in the left foot and then play the drum corps on parade solo on top of that and recently, today and yesterday, I thought it would be fun to do it. I, I usually play it five times in a row. I play it, the, the performance tempo is 120, and I put it at 110, and I play 16th notes with the feet, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, play the solo down, and then increase it by 2 BPM, do it again, increase it, increase it, increase it.
I try to do it five times in a row without stopping. So the feet are playing 16th notes for, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, ten minutes. That's about how long it takes to play it five times in a row. It's been a great workout. And the cool thing is it kind of cross-trains you and your body because your feet are cranking out 16th notes, which is a great exercise when you... When am I ever going to play 16th notes on bass drum? Never. I never do that because I don't play any music that requires that. But um, in that situation of of doing the drum solo exercise, it it works out great. And then I've all of a sudden played 16th notes with my bass drum on pads for, you know, 10 minutes. And I've also been able to play the snare drum solo five times in a row, which is a great, you know, hand warm-up. So I highly recommend that, checking... Doing things that are cross-training, like working on something with your hands and then doing something with your feet that are that's sort of autopilot, then you're cranking out repetitions which build muscle memory. And when you build muscle memory, what you're doing is you're training your body to be able to do something without you having to concentrate on it so much. So while you're developing muscle memory, your body is memorizing these movements and the, actually the cells of the body are memorizing these movements. And then when, and here's my whole philosophy is when you are, when you've developed muscle memory with lots of different coordination concepts, phrasing concepts, and, and um, endurance concepts like 16th notes for 10 minutes, then instead of having to analyze everything with your mind when you're playing music and saying, oh, I can fit a sextuplet here, and oh, I can play the fill I've been working on here, you are able to just express yourself more naturally from a space of emotional response. So music is an emotional response. And so you're responding with your senses. You're hearing music. You're feeling the music. And then you're responding to the music. And instead of thinking about it, you're feeling it and responding in an emotional way, which means the body is doing the responding. And when the body has trained itself with muscle memory, it can respond in a very pure and uh, uh, timely fashion without having to do a lot of analyzation of what fits here, what can I do here? And so instead of playing clever music, you're playing emotionally moving music, which to me is is huge. I think it's super important to try to maintain an emotional context to what we're doing. And usually what that means at least in my in my experience is it means you're playing less notes i mean when you when you're having a conversation with somebody it's not like you're talking a million miles an hour so why do it when you're playing music it's great to practice exercises that maybe push your speed your endurance and your and your accuracy but when it comes down to it for me personally when i'm playing music and interacting with people I really, I really enjoy the space. I think that the space is, is um, that's where the magic happens. So when you fill the space up with a bunch of notes, there's no, there's nowhere for magic to happen. And I've I've used this quote before, and I'll and I'll do it again right now because I'm feeling like doing it. Um, the great guitar player Andy Timmons lives in Dallas, Texas. One of the greatest rock blues guitar players in the world. Um, we were in a band together back in the 90s, and he said he was talking about an audience responding to a soloist. And the, he said, I heard a lot of wows, 
but not a lot of yas. And I've thought I've I've remembered that for my whole well since since 1994 when we were in a band together until now it was 26 years ago. And I think about that a lot because if you're playing something and the audience is going wow, they're hearing it with their brain. They're hearing it with their analytical math mind, which is totally fine. I mean, a lot of music triggers the intellect, and a lot of very complex music is listened to from the the intellectual side of the brain. I didn't hear a lot of yes when you're playing something and the audience is responding. An audience could be anybody. The audience could be the other musicians. It's a, it's a, you know the. Uh, the proverbial yeah maybe or or it's a it's just a the intention behind what wow and yeah mean so a yeah to me is like yeah you're hearing the music from the soul you're hearing it from your heart and you're being moved on an emotional level when you're going wow oh my gosh it's so amazing my brain my brain is exploding i've got to figure out all this complex stuff you're hearing the music from your head Wow is here. Yeah is in the heart. Yes. Yeah. So I think about that a lot. Not that you want to contrive your playing based on that concept, but when you're in the moment of the music and you are being true to your expression with the musicians you're playing with, for me personally, more space starts to happen. And space to me is emotional it it's in a way it evokes there's a risk to it it also brings everyone in because when there's space you have to pay attention more because there's who knows what's going to happen next and when there's a blaze of notes sometimes you can kind of zone out and just go blaze of notes that was 30 second notes but when there's space, every note really matters. And every note matters when things are fast, too. I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong. I'm saying I personally tend to respond emotionally with less information. But it's that's the way that I am as a person anyway. And I think that all of us get to a certain point when we're playing where we are expressing ourselves musically the same way that we express ourselves as people. Think about that one and think about how that fits with you and think about how that fits with the people that you play with. You start to realize that people's personalities shine through into what they do musically when they've reached a level where they're able to express themselves freely on the instrument. It's very interesting. That is why music is infinite because every single person is different Every single person has something different to say. And just like you put a group of people together and a conversation is going to evolve into whatever it's going to evolve into, the same is true with music. I mean, you put different musicians together, they are going to create something that is unique based on each of those individual inputs and then giving attention and intention into creating together. That's why music is infinite. It will go on forever because... Every single person has their own unique thing to bring to music and things will never repeat, especially when people are playing from an emotional, expressive place. And especially when someone's playing from a 
extremely intellectual place. Again, there's no, I mean, it's, it's just, that's, what, that's what's amazing about music. There are no right and there are no wrong. It's all beautiful. It's all a creative expression. It's an intellectual creative expression. It's an emotional creative expression. It's just, I think the goal is to be able to get to a point in your playing where you can actually express yourself without panicking, without feeling like you have no idea what's going on. So you're expressing yourself from a space of, of authority, control, comfort, assuredness. When you have those qualities in you because of your practice, then you can be any kind of musician you want to be. But so often, there's that, there's that little bridge that you have to cross between, did I practice enough to, to play music that I want to play? And, and that little bridge can, can kind of exist for, for a while for musicians. I mean, when you're still training yourself and still practicing before you start playing gigs, and then you start to play gigs and you start to notice, oh, I can't, this isn't making sense. You go back and practice stuff and you go back to the gig. Oh, this is making sense, but now this is something I need to work on. And there's a back and forth between the gig and the practice room for a long time. Then you reach a point where you're playing gigs and you're comfortable. And practice could potentially take a back seat. You're playing all the time. Things seem to be going well. And then all of a sudden, you're, you feel uninspired and you realize, oh my gosh, I haven't been practicing. And you've, life gets in the way. I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're playing gigs all the time and uh, you all of a sudden are married and have a kid and you're like, uh, I don't have any time to practice and I'm playing gigs all the time and you need to find a balance. That is a challenge. Sometimes we have this goal of like, I want to play a bunch of gigs. And so it seems like this maybe, I mean, before you're doing it, it seems like a pretty unattainable goal at one point in your life. It's like, how am I going to get gigs? And then you start realizing, well, if I go to church, my church probably has a band. I could probably start playing with them in some capacity. And from there, you might find an open mic night, and you go, oh, well, I, I'm down doing this. And then you find meet some people on that, and, and you want to have a jam session with them. And, and pretty soon, you, you, know, you realize, wow, I'm like playing some gigs. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing that thing. I'm doing this thing. And then you start to panic because you haven't had any time to work on anything in your own time because maybe you're trying to learn. Now all of a sudden you're trying to learn music for this group and music for this group and music for this group. And so your practice time is all about learning songs. And you're, and you're trying to learn eight songs for this band and 20 songs for this band and all this. And so your practice time is like listening to the song, playing along to the song, trying to memorize the song. And here is where a solid practice routine comes into play. Because if you know how to read, and if you know how to transcribe, and if you know how to write a simple drum chart, then you can get your time down of working on that music for your church gig. You can get that down to listening to the song once. If you can if you can jot out a chart with the groove, the tempo, and the form of the song, 
maybe two listens, you're good per song. I mean, sometimes you can just listen to the song and write the song out as it's happening. And there you go. You're ready. You're ready to play that song. So there are some practical things and some important things that are worth your time if you want to feel balanced between playing gigs and learning the material that's required to play those gigs and feeling like you're doing something substantial and meaningful in the practice room. Because if you're just practicing songs for the gigs, you're only learning those songs. You're learning little pieces of information that are only good for those songs. But if you understand the larger picture of, of, of developing the skills to play songs without really having to think about it, especially if you're playing in, a, in like a rock band and you're learning tunes that have a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, a chorus, a chorus, a certain groove and a certain tempo and a certain vibe. You could, you could capture that pretty quickly if you understand the building blocks of writing a chart, learning how to transcribe a little bit, understanding form, and understanding vibe, groove, and you know energy, attitude. Sometimes you might write on a chart, John Bonham. Uh, sometimes you might write Nick Mason. Sometimes you might write Vinny. And, you know, you make little notes to yourself. So it's like, okay, I'm going to play with the intention and energy of that person for this song. And you're good for those songs. And you can get back to practicing because one of the joys of practice, first of all, this is a philosophical thing and this is a Zen thing. Practice is all the time. And when you practice, you want to be in the mental space of practice for practice sake. Practicing for this is putting a means to an end, but there's really no end in music. Yes, you're, gonna, you're trying to play this song, but do what's required to play that song. Make your chart, and now you can play that song. But if you want to get deeper with your playing, you want to become one with every moment that you're in, because musicians, when you're performing, you're very at one, you're very present in the moment of making music. So why not make every moment that you're awake as present as possible? Because when you're present and you're doing things deliberately and with intention, everything becomes practice. The gig is practice. Transcribing is practice. The way you communicate with the other musicians on the phone is practice. The way that you go to the grocery store and pick everything out, that's practice. When you start to focus on each moment as being the most important moment, you start to learn how to stay in tune and one and, and, and singly focused, then there's everything has more meaning to it. Practice then becomes very meaningful regardless of what it is that you're practicing. So you could sit down and practice stick control, number one, for 20 minutes. Right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. And you could zone out and watch cartoons and do that. Or you could be completely focused, training yourself to focus on every single stroke, every single movement, every single little aspect. What does the stick feel like? What does the rebound feel like? How does my body feel? 
where is this stroke coming from? Is it coming from my wrist or is it coming from my, as Josh Jones would say, is it coming from my shoulder? Is it coming from my gut? Uh, by the way, if you have not checked out the podcast interview with Josh Jones and then gone down the Josh Jones YouTube or Instagram rabbit hole, you need to do that because that guy is a master practitioner and he is so meticulous about every single thing that he does when he practices. And the reason that he can be so meticulous is because he is present. He's in the moment. And when you're in the moment of practice and you're completely engaged in the absolute moment of activity, then you don't get bored. A lot of times we get distracted when we're practicing, and that's why we don't get any better. Because you start something, you get sidetracked, you get bored, you move on to the next thing, and you've never really, you never, even though you're in the practice room for two hours, you never did anything long enough or with enough focus to let it seep into your body and become part of the way that you play. That's a very, very important thing to, to realize and to try to fix. We're training ourselves. It's like a muscle. Attention and focus and concentration is the same thing as going to the gym and working out. You have to train your mind to focus little bits at a time, always, always. So when you're training your mind to focus and you're at the bank, do everything on purpose. Like you're, you're, you're endorsing a check, but you're feeling what that pin feels like. You're feeling what the, what the friction feels like as you're signing your name. You're looking at it. You're feeling the paper. You're like really present and focused on every little detail that you're involved in, no matter what you're doing. That way you're training yourself in all aspects of life. And then you come to the practice room, you're doing something that you love, so you're really focused now. You've trained your mind in every activity you've done in life. Now you come to the practice room and you're totally cool doing very slow strokes and thinking about every single motion of the body and how the stick feels. Because you're not trying to figure out how am I going to use this on a gig? You're not trying to figure out how is this going to help me, you know, play play some song at some club. You are learning how to master your own movement and your own intention. And as you're doing this, you're totally honoring the process of being present, being in the moment, and training yourself in all aspects. And that's at the heart of drum mantra, really. So think about everything, because I, I, I do it too. I mean, I'm there, and so many people I talk to are there. You're either, you're either frustrated because you're not playing gigs, and, and you're in the practice room, and you're trying to practice, but you can't really concentrate, or you're practicing on stuff that doesn't make any sense, and it's, you're not getting any better, or you're playing gigs all the time, and you're too tired to practice. And there's always this grass is greener on the other side, well, how about get rid of the fence and realize that everything is practice. Your gig is practice. If you're intentional playing your gig, you can, you can achieve so much um, growth and depth of knowledge from playing a gig with 100% intention. Playing it with every ounce of your being focused on each moment that you're there thinking about every single note is on purpose if you can do that at all moments 
you are training yourself to be a responsive, creative, solid, and very intentional player. And those things carry all the weight in the world. Playing with a musician who is completely focused and in the moment of what's going on, playing with those kinds of musicians is the best thing that can you can experience. It's amazing because you can feel every moment is 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 good because it's focused on and when you can reciprocate that then they enjoy your playing just as well so try to be that that person try to be that person that is not just there to play drum beats for the band you're there to provide an intentional experience with your expression based on the chemistry of whatever it is that's around you in each moment. So you play with a different band, you've got different chemistry. Your, your, your focus is different, but you're intentional. You're paying attention to everything that's going on around you, and you are also paying attention to what you're doing yourself. That is practice. That's practice just as much as being in the practice pad and playing paradiddles for an hour. It's, it's, it's actually equal you could play stick control number one, right, left, right, left, right, left for 20 minutes and and focus on every single motion. That is practice just as much as being on the stage playing a show in front of 5,000 people. If you are intentional and focused, that's the whole name of the game. So getting frustrated because one thing's happening more than the other, that can get eliminated by by the way that you perceive your experience. So get into the mind space of everything is practice. Everything on the gig is practice. Everything in the practice room is practice. Everything at the grocery store is practice. Everything at the bank is practice. Everything at the restaurant is practice. Every interaction you have with someone else is practice. Everything is practice. And when you train yourself to stay focused in the moment and and intentional on every aspect of what is happening, you become a master. You become a master of your own expression and your own self. To define something as a being a master, yes, we can say Vinnie Caliuta is a master. Bruce Lee is a master. Tony Williams is a master. We can say these things, but you can also say Jim Keltner is a master. Jim Keltner doesn't play anything like Vinnie Caliuta. Jim Keltner can play nothing and you and it's like it's the most crazy thing in the world. Vinnie Caliuta can play the most amazing polyrhythmic craziness that you could ever imagine. That's mastery. Jim Keltner's mastery by doing nothing. Everyone can be a master. It doesn't have to do with how many notes you play. It doesn't have to do with anything but the intention behind how you do things. That's where mastery comes from. Woo! Okay, well, that was that was an interesting little talk. <laughs> okay, I think I'm I think I'm back. I think I'm back. <sighs> All right. Well, let's see what's going on here. Okay, so this podcast you're listening to it hopefully on Tuesday morning, um, February 25th, Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Every let me just let you know about this. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. 
my goal, and it's been happening for the last couple of months, every Tuesday on the Drum Mantra YouTube channel at 7 p.m., I premiere a video. And we watch the video. I'm on there live to do chat. And I will talk to everybody that's in there. And we watch the video together. We make comments. It's a great time. So every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on the Drum Mantra YouTube channel, there is some kind of video experience. And I'm there in the chat. If it's a podcast I did with somebody, that person is usually in the chat. And we're both available to communicate with everyone. So it's been a lot of fun. So make sure you tune into the Drum Mantra YouTube channel every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. The Drum Mantra podcast, the goal is always to come out on Tuesday mornings. And, uh, of course, you can find me on Instagram at Drum Mantra. And you can also find me at Rich Stitzel Music. And on Facebook, it is Facebook at uh, Facebook slash Drum Mantra, Facebook.com slash Drum Mantra. Um, and of course, DrumMantra.com, the hub of all the activity that really goes on with all my students. Um, and I'd love to have you be part of it if, you, if you're interested in working on polymetric independence and reading and phrasing and coordination, all kinds of groove activities and, and things that really stretch your mind and your body all in the name of learning how to train ourselves to be intentional and in the moment. Um, again, if you want to check out the free masterclass, you can go to drummantra.com slash masterclass, one word, dash invitation. drummantra.com slash masterclass dash invitation. Okay. Thank you so much for paying attention to the drum mantra. I really appreciate your support. Please consider leaving a rating on the iTunes podcast. A review would be awesome. I like positive ones, so if you have something cool to say, I would love to hear from you. And um, I wish you all the best in your practice. Look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.